bless you guys. I want to talk with you for just a few minutes today. We're going to keep this short because uh, I know these guys probably want to get home and throw something on the grill or go grab a steak, huh? go take a hike or do something like that, whatever you guys do. Uh, so we're going to keep this pretty short today. But uh, my name's Jay Duncan. I have the great privilege of leading Antioch Church. And uh, it's my great honor to serve you today by the preaching of the word. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. We looked at this last week. And if you're new with us today, or if you haven't been with us in a few weeks, we are on a, on a series this summer about activation. The Lord activating every single one of us and who we're created to be and what we're called to do on the earth. We believe with everything inside of us, according to the scriptures, that God created us with a plan in mind and that he created us with a good work to do, with something significant to fulfill in the earth. And so we have the incredible privilege of partnering with that process and partnering with that purpose and partnering with that plan. It's not automatic. Manhood is not automatic. Being great husbands and being great fathers and being great men and being great women in the earth is not just an automatic thing that happens. It's an invitation that's given to every single one of us. And so there's an opportunity that's available for us. So today what I want to do is I want to weave in what we've been talking about the past few weeks about vision and how vision is critical to activation. How many of you guys have been sensing a little bit over the past few weeks, the Lord speaking to your heart, maybe revealing some things to you, stirring some things up in your life, dropping some new ideas. Let me just see for the sake of Knowing if we're hitting the prophetic targets at hand, let me just see some hands. The Lord's stirring you and speaking to you and maybe things that you had laid aside for a season, you're starting to pick those things back up. That is what we're praying for. We are believing that this summer is gonna be a significant summer and we're just getting started. But my prayers for you, for this house, for this summer are going to another level of expectation and another level of faith and authority that there's gonna be some things in our lives that go to a completely different level. And vision is so, so, so critical and so important to that. If you are not a father today, I want you to know that what I'm going to talk about uh, has great merit for who you are. I'm going to tailor this to our fathers, but the principles of the scripture ring true for every person, no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what um, particular role or function you fulfill, the principles of God's word apply to all of us. And so I want to talk today about crafting a noble vision for your life and for your family. I wanna talk about crafting a noble vision for your life and for your family. Again, if you are not married or if you don't have children, uh, you can still abide by these principles because there are certain principles here as it relates to crafting God's vision for our lives that help us walk those things out. I also wanna to say to every single one of you, maybe you're here today and this day's a very difficult day for you because you look back and perhaps there's regret. Perhaps there's moments that you look back on and realize I missed opportunities and I didn't give myself quite to my children or to my spouse or to my own development like I wished I could have or like I wished I should have. Well, I wanna give you good news this morning, men, that the word of God says that he redeems the time. I don't know how he does this, but he has the ability to help us make up for lost time. He has the ability to help us squeeze into a few years what we could have squeezed into many years. And so I want you to know it's never too late to make changes to be a man of God. 
It's never too late to make changes, to be a father, to invest into his marriage and to invest into his children or to invest into his grandchildren or to invest into this church or to invest into other young men or young boys that are growing up that need that figure of a father in their lives. It is never, ever, ever too late to become greater in the kingdom. And God will always honor the efforts that we make to continue to grow in the kingdom. He'll always honor those. I believe this for every man and every woman that's out here. I believe that if you sincerely want to make a difference in the earth, that God will move heaven and earth to make sure that you make a difference in the world. I know it for a fact. He will coordinate things and orchestrate things to leverage your passion and leverage your growth in order for your life to make a significant difference in the lives of the people around you for the glory of God and the advancement of God's kingdom. So take heart this morning. Proverbs 29, verse 18, the Bible says, where there is no vision, where there is no prophetic revelation, where there is no, some scriptures or some translations say, where there is no divine guidance, where there is no prophetic direction, people perish. People perish. Men, I want you to think about this. Moms, I want you to think about this. When we don't assume God's vision for our lives and for our families, there will be destruction that happens. The word here, perish, it's translated many different ways when you look at many different versions. One of the translations of perish means to cast off restraint. We talked a little bit about that last week. In other words, if I don't have a vision for my children, if I don't have a vision for what kind of home that I want to create, what kind of marriage I want to build, what kind of atmosphere, culture, and climate I want in my home, my children are going to be more apt to cast off restraint. They're going to be more apt to disregard discipline. They're going to be more apt to run the way that they, to run a wild the way that they want to. In fact, we were driving home late last night. We were out on a little family excursion and, uh, <laughs> I can't remember what, what movie my kids were referencing. It was pretty late and they're way in the back, but I, I recall this, this phrase. I think it was my daughter who said it. She said, you know, I, I want to go to, and I can't remember the place it was. She says, because when you go there, then anything goes and you can do whatever you want. And I said, well, sweetheart, um, first of all, no place like that exists. And, uh, and secondly, if every single one of us we're allowed to do whatever we wanted. And this is 11 o'clock at night as we're pulling into the driveway. Deep conversations, right? I said, if we were allowed to do whatever we wanted, I said, bad, bad, bad things would happen. Because we need righteous direction and we need righteous government in our lives. And the scriptures here are saying that when we have no divine vision for our families, that our families tend to not operate within healthy borders and boundaries that lead them forward and that lead them into the future and to God's purposes. There's another version that says that um, where people do not have prophetic revelation, they run wild like horses. They run wild casting off restraint, running wild like horses, no self-control, no self-discipline, no self-government. And so men and women today, I wanna to talk just for a few moments about the power of crafting a, a vision for your family. Turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. It might take you a few minutes to get there. Um, I'll have to be honest with you. I love the major prophets. I love the gospels, the epistles. I'm pretty familiar with the law uh, all the way into the historical books, but man, I'm gonna get to heaven and I'm, I'm not gonna recognize a lot of those guys. Uh, I, I got a lot of work to do. 
Nahum, maybe, Habakkuk, Micah, Obadiah, I don't know, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm working on the minor guys. They're called minor prophets for a reason, okay? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) That was a dad joke. That was a dad joke. (laughs) Thank you, Jesse. Habakkuk chapter two. All right, let's look at verse two. Then the Lord replied, write down the vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. There are some translations that say so that he who reads it may run with it. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, on tablets. That must be a prophetic word for iPads. I'm feeling it today. I'm feeling it. That's two. I'm two for two. I think I can squeeze a couple more out before this is over. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. I know this is a very familiar passage and perhaps a very familiar concept for some of you. But today what I want to emphasize is the power of capturing God's prophetic vision not only conceptually, not only in our hearts and not only in our spirits. I wanna talk with you guys about crafting something that has the ability to not only direct the decisions that you make on a daily basis and direct the decisions that you make for your family on a long-term basis, but I want you to envision with me for a moment the possibility of your family crafting something that is actually passed down from generation to generation. I want you to envision the possibility of you beginning something within your family line that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren pick up and they build on top of. And perhaps you're here this morning and you would think, man, I, I, I didn't receive anything like this. And I want you to know that in, an, in the spirit, it is not too late to begin a new destiny and a new direction for your family line for your family legacy, your family lineage, your family dynasty. In fact, I want you to get deep into your spirit this morning that every family on the earth has a divine dynasty and a divine legacy that is waiting to be built and waiting to be amassed in the spirit for the earth. The scripture says, write down the vision. The NIV says, write down the revelation. And I wanna give you a couple of keys this morning on how to craft a noble family vision for your family. Number one is you must have prophetic insight to the things that God has specifically called your family to. You must have prophetic insight, prophetic revelation to the calling and to the vision that God has for your family. God has a very specific vision for every family on the planet. We can go back to Genesis chapter 12 and we discussed this in the earlier parts of our series But when God went to Abraham and he appeared to Abraham, God has an encounter for every single one of us, just like he had that encounter for Abraham. And he shared with Abraham in the place in the process of intimacy and friendship, he shared with Abraham some things that were very unique to Abraham's family and Abraham's lineage. So much so that God even says to Abraham, he says, through you, and the unique vision that I have for your life, all of the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, I believe that that was something that was very specific to Abraham, but I also believe that that's something that is available for every single one of us, that through you, all the families on the earth can be blessed. That through your family, all the families on the earth can be blessed. 
because of the redeeming power of God. Yeah, I've made mistakes. Yeah, there are darkness areas in my life. There are areas that I'm ashamed of, but I believe Abraham was not a perfect man. I believe according to faith and according to the scriptures that in spite of the bad decisions that I've made, that God has the ability to say, I am going to bless all the families on the earth through your life. In other words, every family that you encounter from this day forward, every person that your family encounters from this day forward, they can be blessed. It is possible. It can happen. It's what I want for them. One of the reasons why biblical parenting is so important is because we have the ability to raise children who become a blessing to the earth. When we send them over to a friend's house, when we send them over uh, into a classroom to join a sports team, when we send them out to do missions work, they have the opportunity to be a blessing to every person that they encounter. That's what I want for my children. I know that's what you want for your children. And parents, listen, they may not be operating in that right now, but take heart. Take heart, dads. Take heart, moms. Write the vision and make it plain because as the word says, it is for an appointed time. There will come a moment. There will come a time. There will come a time where every seed that you've sown into the hearts of your children burst forth and they explode forth in fruitfulness. It is for an appointed time. Write the vision. Hold your spot here in a bucket because we're gonna use this as a launching pad. But in the book of Luke, just to emphasize point number one, in the book of Luke chapter one, there's a story about a man by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest in the Old Testament structure. And according to the traditions of the priests at that time, you were to name your firstborn child after your own name. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were a little bit old in age. And at this point in the story, they had not had children. How many of you ever heard of a man by the name of John the Baptist? John the Baptist was the son that was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And so as, uh, as the story goes, Zechariah is serving in the temple of God and an angel comes and shares with him, hey, I'm gonna give you a child. And Zechariah has a little bit of resistance to this, a little bit of opposition. And when he questions the angel and when he raises some doubt, to what the angel promises. The angel essentially says, well, that's fine. Here's what's gonna happen. Throughout the duration of this pregnancy, you're not gonna be able to speak. And he, and he took from Zechariah the power of his voice. Now, I've got some prophetic implications for why I believe that happened. And I'll share those here in a minute. Look with me at verse 67 in chapter one. Well, if, if on your own time, if you'll read verses 57 through 66, what you will see is you'll discover that when the baby was born and they brought the baby, the whole community gathered around and brought the baby to Zechariah and they said, his name should be Zechariah. And Zechariah pulled a tablet out and he wrote it down. He says, no, his name's to be John. And the moment that he got into alignment with the prophetic identity upon his son's life, the power of his voice to shape his son's character and destiny was opened. The moment that he got into alignment with his son's prophetic identity, the power of his voice to shape his son's character and destiny was opened. Sometimes what we need to do as moms and dads is we actually need to shut our mouths for a season 
until we can get our hearts and our spirits into alignment with the prophetic identity and destiny of our children so that our words shape the destiny of our children and don't block the destiny of our children. God has given you a voice as a parent to be an accelerating factor and an accelerating force in the lives of your children. You have an authority uh, over your children and with your children in the spirit that nobody on the planet has with the exception of their selves. You have the ability to touch the Father's heart and to get entrance into the presence of God and to get inside into the destiny of your children like nobody on the planet has, which is pretty incredible. Luke chapter one, verse 67, the Bible says, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Moms and dads, I wanna encourage you, get filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesy. In fact, I wanna encourage you that when you begin praying more intensely and more frequently for your children, when you begin praying more into the divine legacy that God has for your family, I wanna encourage you, write those things down because those things become the fodder for your noble family vision. I want you to know that before I was ever married, I began writing in my journal and praying prayers for my marriage and for my children years before children were ever conceived. This is something that you can do by the spirit. It's something that you can do by way of divine revelation, by way of the word of wisdom that God brings to your life. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to prophesy over his son, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all his days. What is Zechariah doing? He is connecting, he is connecting the birth of his son to his son's prophetic history. It's powerful. Zechariah had enough wherewithal and enough understanding of his own journey and the journey of his, of his lineage to know that his son was connected to a long history of men of God and women of God that had been praying and prophesying into this moment. Moms and dads, I want you to know that your children and your family is here on the earth for such a time as this. I know that we're speaking to a large podcast uh, audience. And so I wanna make this statement to our podcast audience and to those in this room. Maybe your child was not planned in terms of your earthly planning, but you and your children and your family are not an accident in the eyes of God and in the plans of heaven. Every person that is conceived on this earth whether they get the opportunity to become born or not, I wanna say none of them was an accident in the eyes of God or in the plans of heaven. Every single one of them, they are not isolated, they are not disconnected, they are not fragmented, they are connected to a long prophetic history of the faith and a long prophetic history of what God has been doing in the earth up until this hour. And like Mordecai spoke to his young uh, uh, cousin in the Lord, you were brought to the earth for such a time as this. Friends, you are here for such a time as this and your children are here for such a time as this. Now he shifts gears here and in verse 76, this is what I wanna hone in on. He says, and you, my child, this is amazing. 
Those of you who have young babies, let me just see those of you who have babies. Let me just see your hands here. I love all the babies. By the way, we're going to be doing baby dedications here soon. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> those of you who have young babies, something the Lord revealed to me a long time ago. I, I want you to know that the spirit of your baby can understand and receive and grasp everything that you speak into them and over them. You know, I, there might be a train of thought that says you have to speak less or dumb your conversation down and do the baby talk thing. I never talk to my babies like children, like little children that don't understand. I speak to their spirits as mature spirits that, are, that can understand every single word I say to them. I speak into their identity. I speak into their discipline. I speak into their destiny. I speak into their character development. I speak to their spirit, man, just as if I'm speaking to you right now. And look at what Zechariah is doing. He is saying, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. He is, he is speaking into the spirit, into the identity, into the destiny of his son before his son was ever John the Baptist. He was just John the infant. His father was speaking the Baptist anointing upon his life. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Listen to that. This is what you will do, son. You will do this. Moms and dads, I want to know if you know in the spirit what your children will do. And it's okay if you don't, but what I, my, my follow-up question is, are you pursuing God to know what your children will do? Because somehow, by prophetic insight, Zechariah knew what his son was called to do. So we're going to make certain decisions as a family, and we're going to make certain decisions in the way that we train you and raise you up because of what you are called to. There are certain things that others can do and you cannot because I have a glimpse that heaven has showed me this is what you will do. And it's not legalistic and it's not self-righteous. Son, we are, we are contending for the reason why God puts you on the earth together. And what the Father has showed me is that you have been selected of all of the millions of people that were born on the same day that you were born or around the same season you were born, the Father has shown me that he has selected you to be the one who will literally prepare the way for the Lord in the spirit. And that requires an agreement. And I'm telling you, I believe that the entire lineage of Zachariah and Elizabeth's family changed as he began crafting their noble family vision when he received revelation of what his son was called to do. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. So step number one or key or principle or Point number one is moms and dads, I want to encourage you and I implore you as I've done many times before, get into the place of God's spirit, get into the place of God's presence and find out what God is saying about the direction and the destiny, and the identity of your children, because every single one of them are different. They are tied to your family destiny and they are tied to your family identity, but the uniqueness of what they are called to do, every single one of them will be different. I am endeavoring by the Lord, I'm endeavoring to write very specific things out, journals, having a journal for each of my children. 
and uh, for their birthdays and special moments in their lives and for times where I'm, I'm really engaging with the revelation of God for their lives, I'm, gonna be, I'm writing those things into those specific and unique journals for each of those kids. And I'm actually calling upon the community of faith to speak into my kids' lives. When they have birthdays, my greatest request is help speak into the prophetic destiny of my children. And I'm asking that you would write down what you are hearing from the Lord on behalf of my kids. Guys, I'm telling you, we ought to leverage what we have in the spirit here in this community. We have people who understand things like prophetic identity and prophetic destiny. And why would we not pull three or four people from our life group or from our circle of friends and say, would you help hear the Lord for me and with me on what he is saying about each of my children. And would you partner with me in praying to those things and helping to craft those things and write those things down with me? Just food for thought, I want you guys to think about that. Number two, crafting a noble vision for your family. After we receive prophetic revelation, we must write down the vision. We must write down the vision. And there's tons of questions and there's great material that are out there, great resources. In fact, in preparation for this message today, it's interesting what comes up when you just Google 100 year plan, 100 year family plan, 100 year family vision. The number one thing that pops up is estate planning and, and, and planning for the financial inheritance for your family and your children. There's businesses that have written out 100 year plans. There are financial advisors who, when they come and they sit down, they talk with you, they're not talking about the next 20 or 30 years. They're actually helping you to think of what your vision is for the next 100 years. So I want you to just journey with me here for a few moments. And let's start with the end of your life. I read a book when I was in college called Like a Rock by Andy Stanley. And that book, when I was a sophomore in college, directed and determined many of the decisions that I made over the course of the next 10 years of my life. Because in the first few chapters of Like a Rock, the book is about character development and discipleship, Andy has the reader go through an exercise where he has you sit down and envision your funeral. And he says, I want you to think about these key relationships that are in your life. Number one, your marriage. He said, what do you want your spouse to say about you on the day that you leave this earth. And I pulled my journal out and I wrote down all the things that I wanted my wife to be able to say about me. I wanted her to say that I was a man of, a man of character, a man of faithfulness. I wanted her to say that I was a man who was faithful to her above all others, that she could always trust me, that she could count on me. I was dependable, I was reliable, I was responsible. I was a man who treasured her above all. I was a man who lifted her and valued her and made her better. I accelerated her, empowered her in the things that she was called to. This was before I was ever dating anyone. I just knew by revelation that someday I would get married. And when I did, that I wanted that person to say these things over my life. I wanted, and that determined, that vision activated certain decisions in my life. That vision activated very critical character building processes for my life. The next step that it said, he said, I want you to imagine now your children and I want you to write down what you want your children to say about you. And I pulled my, and I just continued the process, wrote down all the things that I wanted my children to say. And I have referenced these journal entries over the years, both before I had kids and at the advent of the birth of every single one of my children, taking a look at those things and reminding myself. See, it's not enough to write down the vision. 
You've got to write the vision and read the vision and speak the vision and pray the vision. And you've got to keep the vision in front of your eyes because life has a tendency to cause us to drift. And if that vision is not clear and compelling and if that vision is not written down in some way, life will pull us off course because the, the, the frantic pace of life, the busyness of life is always contending against your noble family vision. Sports and your business responsibilities and the, the, your fatigue and your tiredness and your own recreational desires, hobbies, pursuits, all of those things are pulling you away from the pursuit of your noble family vision. When you die, what do you want that day to look like? What do you want your kids to be able to say, stand up and say with full confidence and full integrity? about the way you lived your life and now the way that they will live theirs? Do you want your children to say that my father and my mother, they gave me an inheritance in the spirit. They spoke to me about who I am and who I was called to be. They put something inside of me that has enabled me to stand firm in the midst of pressure and temptation in the world around me. They believed in me above all else. They spoke tenderly to my spirit. They nurtured me in the ways of God. I am who I am because of who my mother and my father were in my life. I want you to actually, when you're participating with this, not just think about this, but actually in the title of the chapter that Andy has, it's called Write Your Script. I want you to write the script word for word of how you want to be known in the earth by those closest to you. He goes on to talk about people at church. He goes on to talk about your neighbors, your coworkers, and everything he's doing is he's helping, every, he's helping you identify and articulate and capture a noble family vision for your life. He's helping you identify and articulate the things that are important to you. Which leads me to my third point. When you craft your noble family vision, identify your values. Those are the things that you transfer. Those are the things that guide the decisions that you make. Those are the things that help you in the most difficult moments of your life. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. There are certain things that, that are important to, to Jay Duncan that may not necessarily be important to anybody else. And they're not necessarily right and they're not necessarily wrong, but through the series of events that God has led me through and through the way that he's wired me, there are things that I am meticulously and consciously trying to build into my children. Number one, attitude. Attitudes within my top three core values in my life. I believe that we have the ability within us to live victorious and joy-filled lives regardless of the situations or circumstances that we live in. I endeavor in all situations at home, at the office, wherever I'm at, I endeavor in every situation, no matter what is going on, to lift the environment and to lift the spirits of the people that I'm with, to not be moody, to not be down, to not be pulled off course. It's because I value attitude. And so one of the things that I'm nurturing and developing and trying to weave into the fabric of my children is to have a victorious attitude at all times. 
Number two, I value responsibility and ownership. And so when I see my children start to pass the buck and it's amazing how that sinful, self-deceptive nature grows inside of every single one of us. It's never taught. Nobody taught them how to blame somebody else. Nobody taught them how to make excuses. Nobody taught them how to operate in manipulation and self-deception. And when I catch that, boy, I, I, I pull the blade out, man. I'm like, come here, I gotta circumcise some things because you made that decision. I didn't make that decision. Your sister didn't make that decision. You made that decision. You own that decision. Why? Because that's one of the family values that we've adopted. It's ownership and responsibility. Honor is one of our family values. The way that we speak to each other, the way that we uh, speak to others, the way that we handle people that don't honor us, the way that we uh, approach dishonorable situations, that's important to us. And because it's important to us and it's a part of our family vision, we are conscious about trying to put our children in situations where they can see a lack of honor in their lives or they can see what honor looks like. And I could go on and on and on. There's a blog that I pulled up in preparation of this and a gal wrote one of her exercises. She says, one of the ways for you to craft a family vision is she says, write out 100 values for your family. 100 and I thought, wow, that is, that is intense. And as I began reading some of the values, I thought, yes, 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 yes. I believe in that, this, this, yeah, yeah. And she said, trust me, the more you start getting into it and you pull your kids and say, what are some things that are important to you about who we're gonna be in the earth? And you start working with your spouse. She said, 85 will come just like that, I guarantee it. And I wanna encourage you moms and dads to do that. Start with 20. It'll probably grow to 50 push the bar to 75 and keep that in front of your eyes. Pray those values into your home. Use those values as teaching tools when you sit down with your children. When they make decisions that are counter to one of those values, you just sit down with them. You don't have to go all crazy. You just say, this is, you know what this is? Son, come here, come here, come close. Hey, remember that time we talked about our family values? Now the way you treated your sister right there. Was that in agreement with our family values or was that in disagreement? And you just walk them through this. You help them to adopt. You help them to become the value that you as the patriarch or you as the matriarch of your family are setting for your lives. We must understand that in order for anything great to happen, it happens by intentionality. Proactive parenting. Everything we're talking about in activation, everything we're talking about today in crafting a noble vision for your family is all about living proactively. Because here's what I know. If we're not discipling our children, the media will. The school system will. Their friends will. Their friends' parents will. Their coaches will. The music they listen to will. All right, the next knucklehead out there who's dropping a million dollar album, they'll, they'll disciple your children. They'll do it. They'll tell your children what's important. They'll tell your children what to value in life. And we can sit back and we can go, I don't know, that's music. We can, we can do that or we can say, I'm gonna get proactive. Come here, guys, come here. Hey, listen, what would our family look like in 100 years from now? I want you to think about the future. Think about when you marry your children off. What do you want that day to look like? Do you want that day to be full of grief and sorrow because your daughter never heeded your counsel because you were never there for her and you never took her on dates? And now this day when you want to speak into the, the man that she's going to marry, she wants nothing to do with you? Is that, is that, is that part of your family vision? 
Or do you envision a day that is holy, that is fun, that is life-giving? Do you envision a day where you're having these key moments to continue to speak in to the development of your daughter's life when you're about to walk her down that aisle? Do you envision a day where she wants you to walk her down the aisle? Or do you envision a day where she does not want you to walk her down the aisle? Think about these things. Be proactive. Write them into your family vision. What kind of worker do you want your children to be? What kind of student do you want him or her to be? When your family comes into an environment, what do you want people's responses to be? Excited or dreading? I had a good friend of mine. In fact, I've actually worked this out with three really good friends of mine. Because one of the things that's important to us as a family is that we're life givers. And as I was sitting down at the fire with one of my good friends and then at breakfast and at dinner with two other guys, we began having this conversation about life givers in our lives. And I would throw out a name and they would go life giver. Oh man, hands down, life giver. And I throw out another name, life giver, another name, life giver, another name, life giver. And, I, and what it did in my heart is it said, man, I wanna be a life giver. I wanna be a person who lifts people's spirits. I wanna be a person who's steadfast and steady. I wanna be a person that doesn't drain and suck people dry, but the overflow of the victory and the joy of life of God inside of me, that when I get around people, man, their spirits begin to swell. I want that for my life. I want that for my marriage. I want that for my children. It's going into my noble family vision. We will be a family of life givers. What kind of family will you have? Will you be a life giver? Or will you be a life sucker? Will your children be life drainers? Or will they be life givers? So crafting our noble family vision, it begins by getting prophetic insight and prophetic revelation. Number two, we move from there into actually writing down visionary components visionary components, envisioning the future, envisioning situations, envisioning relationships, envisioning responsibilities, envisioning life at certain key junctures. Number three, we talk about values. And I had you turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Look with me at verse one of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, this is value language, and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, he is saying, when you catch a vision, when you catch a vision of things in your life and you understand the values that are critical of the kingdom and the values that are critical that you wanna build in your family, here's what it'll cause you to do. It'll cause you to throw things off that are not in alignment with the values that God has for the vision that he's showing you. All right, throw off things that hinder you. Throw off the value structures and the value systems. Throw off the immediate living, the, 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 the gratification of soul and flesh that hinder you from operating in your value system, hop, that keep you from operating in God's value system. Verse two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Think about this. This is what he's saying. Jesus endured one of the most difficult journeys and decisions of his life. He did it out of obedience to, to the father, but obedience was a part of his value structure. He did it for the joy that was set before him. And that joy was part of his value structure. 
He did it for something that was bigger and beyond him that was connected to a value structure. What I'm saying is, is when we catch a hold of vision and the prophetic revelation that God has for our families, it will require sacrifice. You know whether or not you're starting to tap into a value because values are the things that you'll sacrifice for. A conviction is a thing that you will sacrifice for. I know I've shared this story with you guys many times. I was actually rehashing this with a really good friend of mine. But I remember when I was a young kid and I came out of the house with a popsicle and there was about 12 different, maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 of the kids from around the block that were there. And as my dad saw me running out the house, he yanked me back inside and he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I wanted a popsicle. And so I ran in and grabbed me a popsicle and I'm having a popsicle. And he said, well, do you have enough for everybody that is out there with you to have a popsicle? And I said, no. And he said, son, listen. He says, unless you have something to give to everybody, don't pull it out in front of everybody. And that marked my life because that was a value of my father's. And I remember a couple years ago, I took my parents out to a, uh, a nice dinner for their birthdays. And I began asking them about their childhood and things that have marked their lives and shaped their lives. And my dad told me a story. He grew up in a very, very impoverished part of Arkansas on the wrong side of the tracks. And he was coming out of house with a Coke in his hands. And his father yanked him inside. And he said, son, do you have enough to give everybody in that neighborhood that's hanging out with you a Coke right now? My dad said, no. He says, you put it back in the freezer or you put it back in the refrigerator because you never bring something out in front of other people that you yourself can't give to everybody. And for better or for worse, it's a value system. It's a value system of consideration. It's a value system of being aware of what people do or don't have around you. My dad grew up in a very impoverished place and man, people didn't have much. And if you had something special and you pulled that out, boy, it just, it just elevated a, a sense of not having in the people around him. And his father pulled him and he, and he, and he taught him that, that, that measure of honor. Here's what I'm getting at. That value system, and there's many that I could reference, that value system at times requires sacrifice. It requires dying to self. It requires being less selfish. It requires saying, you know what? I really would enjoy this right now, but because other people are around, I'm not gonna do that because they don't have it or they can't or they can't afford it. So your values will always be tested. Purity, purity will always be tested. If you wanna be a woman of purity, it will be tested. If you wanna be a man who honors women, it will be tested. If you wanna be a person of courage, it will be tested. If you wanna be a man of integrity on the job, it will be tested. If you wanna be a person of, an, of a stellar attitude, if you wanna be a lid lifter and a life giver, it will be tested. Your soul, your emotions, your circumstances, all the bad things that make you uncomfortable, they will test your value to say, I am not gonna focus on myself. Yes, I'm hungry. Yes, I'm tired. Yes, I'm hot. Yes, I'm cold. Yes, I'm bored. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm bitter. Yes, I'm offended. And I'm gonna get beyond all of those things and I'm gonna lift the lid of people around me and I'm gonna be a life giver. I'm gonna focus on others more than I focus on myself. It's a value system. What kind of family will you raise? What kind of family will you be? And finally, part of crafting your noble family vision is identifying your inheritance. Go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. In your noble family vision, you ought to consider what kind of inheritance you will leave for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. 
And when I'm talking inheritance, I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking what kind of inheritance of a prayer life or a prayer mantle will your children and your grandchildren receive? What kind of inheritance of a good name will they receive? Are your children proud of you? Will they be proud of you? Are your spiritual children proud of you? Are your friends proud of you? Are they proud to be associated and connected with you? It's part of your inheritance. Do your children know how to stand up against injustice? Because that's, that could be part of the inheritance you leave them. Are they compassionate and kind with the broken, the hurting, or the less fortunate? Because that could be a part of the inheritance that you leave them. Do they know how to pull on heaven to get them through difficult situations? And have they been equipped to help others pull on heaven and get through difficult situations? Because that could be part of the inheritance that you leave them, the way that you see the world. You know, my spiritual father in the Lord, Dennis Peacock, when his son, Adam, came to the place where he got to high school, Dennis said, I am going, I am going to train my son. And so every morning before his son went to school, Dennis got up early and for hours he sat down and he taught worldview to his son. Biblical worldview to his son. So that his son was able to navigate all the things that were coming his way. And so then when his son graduated from high school and went to UCLA, his son was able not just to withstand the humanistic arguments and the secular arguments of his professors at UCLA, he was able to engage them and he was able to overcome them. That's called an inheritance. And now Adam is the director of strategic life training, which is a worldview school. Do you know what that is? It's an inheritance. You are building an inheritance every day. It, financial analogy works so well here. Many of you all know the story. If, if I were to give you a million dollars right now, or would you take a penny doubled every day for 30 days, which would you take? We all know a penny. If, if you don't know, go home and do the math. If I were to give you a penny and you were to double it every day, one cent plus one cent is two cents, two and two is four, four and four is eight, eight and eight, 16, 16, 16 32, 64, 108. And then you're like, wait a minute. Um, this isn't really working out really well. But I guarantee you, you're gonna hit a growth curve within the last couple of days that'll shoot you up into millions. Is it, do you have a long-term vision for your family or are you just living day by day? Because here's what I want you to know, that if you will make small incremental deposits into your marriage and your home and your family on an intentional basis, governed by a vision that is bigger than you or your children or your grandchildren, here's what I know, it will compound over time. And every financial planner will tell you that the sooner you start, the better because of the power of compound interest. Moms and dads with little ones, the moment they're born, prophesy, speak into their lives, tell them who they are, tell them who they're not. Write down your noble family vision and begin amassing an inheritance for them. And if you're in the latter years of your life and you would say, you know, I didn't, I didn't start investing into my family or into my children. I believe there's hope for you. Maybe you're here today and you would say, today is a very difficult day because I'm flying solo raising my children and there is no quote unquote father 
who is helping me in this journey. I want you to know that there is hope for you. There is hope for you. There is grace and there is strength that is available for you. There is a community of men here in this house that are available for you. There is a father who is a perfect father who is available for you. Take heart. Your story has not been completed yet. Let me close with this. Oh, we didn't read that verse. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Isn't that amazing? Three generations. A good man is thinking about not only how his children are gonna turn out. A good man is not worried about his kids being good kids. A good man is worried, is thinking about whether or not his kids will be good parents. I think often about my children. Every day, I think long and hard about who they are and who they're becoming. I think long and hard about the perceived weaknesses that I have in their journey right now. And a lot of times I'll ask myself, if this doesn't get worked out in their life, what will they pass on to their children? And what kind of example am I setting up for them on how they're gonna raise their children? On what kind of ethic, identity, destiny, worldview they're gonna build intentionally into the hearts and lives of their children? Because a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I want you to know that you are good men and you are good women. In closing, I want to read this verse to you. It's found in Psalm 139. And in fact, I think it would be very appropriate this morning if I could have my altar team and our life group leaders available. In fact, if you wouldn't mind even now, you can go ahead and slip over and just line up here on my left, your right. If I could have our life group leaders go ahead and just line up on that wall. I perceive this morning that there's opportunity to minister to the hearts of some in this room. I understand this day can be very difficult for some. And typically in our worship set, we have opportunities where we do body ministry one to another. But today for some might just be a day where you need someone to stand beside you and partner with you. And friend, there is no shame in that. Please understand me. There is only grace and there is only an invitation for strength and for life and for help. Let me read this verse as our, as our altar ministers are getting in place this morning. It's found in Psalm 139. Verse 13 says, you created my inmost being. God, you knit me together in my mother's womb and I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know what I hear when I read that? Is that God crafted a noble family vision for your life. God crafted a noble family vision for your life. 
And you may not have been or you may not be now walking in agreement or alignment with that noble family vision. Altar team, why don't you guys just go ahead and start lining up right here and fill the front. You may not be walking in agreement or in alignment with that noble family vision, but I wanna say with faith and I wanna say with authority, I wanna declare prophetically over your lives that God has written in his book. He has crafted a noble family vision. He wrote it in his journal, who he dreams of you to be. And his dream for your marriage and his dream for your family, God has written it down and he is not wavering. And maybe you would look back and you would say, well, marriage number one didn't turn out so well, or I'm, 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 I'm navigating the, the, the rocky roads of stepchildren or estranged children. Friends, I want you to know that God has written down a noble family vision for your life and the redemptive nature of God can bring that forth. And we wanna agree with you and we wanna pray with you and we wanna, we wanna get into those things. If you've never had somebody pray over your bloodline, man, let somebody today pray over your bloodline. If you never had somebody break off generational cycles and curses and iniquitous patterns, let somebody join you today and agree with you. Here's what I know. You may not have been able to choose your ancestors, but you can choose your descendants. You can choose who your descendants will become in the Lord. So I'm gonna pray and then as I'm praying, I'm gonna ask whether you're a mom here in this room or whether you're a father in this room or maybe you're a son or a daughter in this room, maybe you've never had a father's blessing. If you've never had a father's blessing, I tell you the men that are up here standing with me today are men of God that I trust. They are men of God that I believe in. And I would take a father's blessing from any of these men any day of the week. And if you would say, you know what? I don't know what's going on in my heart. I just feel like I just, I'm, I'm yearning for the blessing of a father in my life. Come, let a father bless you. If you're a single mom and you're just doing the absolute best you can to raise your kids, come, let a father cover you. Come, let us agree with you. So today, today right now, I wanna bless you fathers for the unique assignment and the journey that is ahead of us. And as I'm praying this, I also wanna say, listen, if you need a band of men to rally around you, Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. in Mod Q, which is right down the road from here, and if you don't know where that is, you can call the office and get directions. We have a band of men who have been literally praying together and praying for their families and your family in this church for the past seven years. And many of those guys have walked through very difficult and dark roads, but they have banded together. And I'm here to tell you, your noble family vision takes the strength of a band of brothers and a band of sisters that will walk that road with you. So I wanna encourage you if, you, if you need that, come join these men or come join a life group and get surrounded with men who are going in the same direction as you. So I bless you today, fathers. Let the hand of the Lord just come upon you and rest upon you in a stronger way for your assignment as husbands and fathers and brothers and men than you've ever experienced in your life before. Let there be the release of another level and another measure and another quality of anointing. I declare today you are anointed to be a man. You were created a male 
But I declare today that you're anointed to be a man. You're anointed to be a man of responsibility. You're anointed to be a man who understands his sonship. You're anointed to be a man who breaks the yoke of oppression of the enemy off of people and off of places. You're anointed to change environments. You're anointed to lead. You're anointed to serve. You're anointed to walk in the delegated authority of God as a man on the earth. And I bless that today and I call it higher. I I pray that this house will be full of activated men of God. Men of God, I call you forth today. For every wife that is in this room and you are contending for your husband, I agree with you. This altar team agrees with you. This church agrees with you. Do not give up, take heart. I pray today for your husbands. I pray for a mighty, powerful encounter of God to touch your husbands. I pray for the hand of God and the plan of God to be revealed to your husbands. I pray for an explosion of God activity in the lives of your husbands. I pray that God would do business with your husbands. I pray that their hearts would be tenderized and sensitized to the movement of God's spirit and the voice of God. And I pray God give you wisdom as a wife and he give you grace and patience and he give you strength on how to walk this road out, on how to pull the best out of your man. If you're here today as children, you've not had the best father's experience, I bless you today. And I pray that God would surround you with spiritual fathers like he has sent me. Men of God, who will be figureheads and who will be pictures and they'll be, they'll be men that are committed to you. They'll help you become young men. They'll help you become young women. I pray that into existence. I call that into being in your lives. And those of you precious moms that feel alone, I say you are not alone but I pray strength on you, strength on you, strength on you for your weariness. And moms, I wanna celebrate you and I wanna say you are doing a fantastic job. And I wanna repent on behalf of whatever situation or whatever man abdicated his responsibility to you. And moms in this room today that are, that are, that are doing this job alone, I wanna pray, pray a covering over your life. May heaven cover you. May God strengthen you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet together. Antioch Church, you're a good church. You're an awesome church. You are people of God. And I wanna charge you today, don't leave this room and just get on with festivities. I wanna charge you today, think upon and meditate upon. Ask God, in fact, if we would all in this room, every single one of us, no matter if you're young or old, I want you to do this with me, say, Father, Would you reveal to me the Father's heart, my sonship, and your noble vision for my family heritage and my family legacy? Activated in my life, I come into agreement with it in Jesus' name. We're going to do some ministry time here. David, go ahead and um, let us know what's happening after this or like right now. God bless you, Antioch. I love you. Happy Father's Day to all of you.